0: You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our next episode of the Innovators Behind Disruption. My name is Raj Lala, the CEO of Evolve ETFs, and I'm joined by a very special guest today named Sean Canungo. Sean, thanks for being part of this.
0: Well, listen, I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the podcast of the YouTube channel. Um, and by the way, if you, if you've gotten this far past the introduction, subscribe to this on YouTube or on iTunes, uh, follow it on Spotify. It would help we need this podcast. to go number one in the business section, Raj, come on.
1: I am I'm with you. I'm with you, Sean. We're on the same page. So, uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: yeah uh absolutely uh so i live in edmonton alberta canada i got uh, two little kids i spent my entire career in strategy innovation spent 12 years at deloitte um, helping and leading a lot of their innovation initiatives across western canada and beyond uh left deloitte uh, about three four years ago to start my own firm where we advise uh organizations on innovation disruptive innovation and also uh you know uh, dipping my toes uh in the arena and actually trying to grow Uh, Some companies in the space as well. So you know, I'm on the ground floor on what's happening in the disruption space, which is interesting because you're actively looking at some of the companies that are the disruptors or the disruptive technologies and thinking about it from a thematic perspective, while I am trying to help organizations sort of avoid disruption or navigate disruption uh, or embrace disruption. So you know, it's uh, it's two sides of the coin. So
1: that that dovetails into a good. Uh, first section of discussion when you are talking to organizations, are you finding that they are embracing disruptive tech or disruptive innovation? Or are you finding that it's something that's a little bit scary for them and it requires a lot of coaching?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you, we deal with the same challenges as you try to convince and persuade people about new ways of doing things. I mean, it's just part of a human nature, right? We, we, we don't like change. We don't like when new, introduce, when new things come out and, and a change how we work, how we um, operate. Um, and so it's always a struggle. And I think as innovators, our job is not to really convince them that this is the path. really persuade them show them not tell them or help them experiment help them dip their toes into uh, you know certain types of technologies it's always a fight because when it comes to disruptive technology and disruptive innovation as you know everything sounds like a joke everything is a everything's they dismiss everything i like cloud computing what, what are you talking about blockchain bitcoin like space i mean it all sounds like a joke until really the joke is on us um and so that's what i believe in but you know i'm gonna throw it back to you on this because you know you're actively trying to get people uh to think about disruptive technology your themes are really around this how do you do this as well
1: yeah, you know it's 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 a great point, and it does require a change in overall behavior. But when you think about disruptive technologies or disruptive innovations, and I tend to use those terms interchangeably, but I'll I'll, I'll try and stick with disruptive innovation. We've had so many different events in our lives that have taken place that that at the beginning, uh, the early adopters are the ones that are the winners. The At the beginning, everyone criticizes or is a naysayer. of it. you go back to thinking about, like, the horse and buggy in the early 1900s, and then Ford comes out with the first vehicle, and people say, nobody's ever going to use a car. Why wouldn't you want to stick to your horse and buggy? And 15 years later, there were no cars, there were no uh, horse and buggies on on the road. You think about the Internet, and how many people thought the Internet's never going to catch on. You think about the iPhone. And people like Steve Ballmer saying nobody's gonna ever buy the iPhone. Why would you? Why would you want a device like that? So you think about all of those innovations in our in our world in history, and most people have been naysayers, and it's very difficult to convince uh, individuals. And then you forget about how these technologies have ultimately ended up getting integrated uh, into your life. Like I often say to people, you know, thank God we're going through this pandemic today instead of 10 years ago because 10 years ago and you you mentioned it 10 years ago we didn't have cloud computing functioning the way we do today so we wouldn't have been able to do this we wouldn't have been able to use proper video conferencing tools we wouldn't have been able to stream our movies effectively we wouldn't have been able to stream our games we wouldn't have been able to all work from home and download software and so on this is all cloud-based technology so uh without it we would have been going through this pandemic in a much more isolated uh, environment. So I think people are starting to embrace it a little bit more. I can tell you, you know, in my world, um, talking to investment advisors, this year alone I've had more conversations about the integration of disruptive investing uh, into their portfolios than the previous four years combined. So we are seeing definitely further embrace. We are seeing people starting to get away from the thought of, oh, you know, robotics is so far-fetched, it's never gonna catch on, to seeing them in the hospital now and realizing that they're gonna get integrated into our daily lives. So I like yeah. to see that. I love I love to talk about it. Like you, uh, it's such a fascinating topic.
0: Well, you know what, I I have to applaud you because I think what you guys have done, done with your themes, I would actually broadly term it, uh, describe it as, a lot of your uh a lot of your products actually are electricity so to yeah. me like cybersecurity is electricity cloud is electricity uh ethereum ether blockchain is ele- electricity meaning this you is so the good. backbone of how organizations will operate in the future it's like you can't bet against electricity it is unstoppable and so I think you know, there, there are some stuff, stuff that are on the entertainment or media side, whether it's esports and whatnot, but really you're, 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 you're actually investing th- th- these products around like the, the backbone, the foundation of a new generation of organizations. So that's why
1: I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. So talk, talk to me about when you're going out there and talk, because you do something, even though we're on the same page as it relates to disruptive innovation. Your um, your process is very different than my process. My process is uh, is about bringing product to marketplace. Your process is about educating people and embracing people. Or sorry, having them embrace disruptive innovation within their respective businesses. So walk me through your process as it relates to that.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is very different because I think you you have to be sort of on the pulse of like what are those disruptive companies that are out there and you know most people ninety nine percent of incumbents like they don't care about the new companies autonomous electric shed like they they see it as a theme but they they at the end of the day they're like trying to install Zoom right they're they're trying to like they're yeah, trying to yeah. figure that out. Um, to me, it's it's come it comes back to. Uh, the idea of problems What's, what problems do you want to solve within your organization? How do we reframe some of those problems how do we how do we reinvent what we 're doing just by asking different questions and then ultimately, how do we go through a process of experimentation? How do we start with very small problems with very small teams with very small sprints and see how we can move the needle ultimately to create small innovations that ultimately sort of disrupt us I think that 's the process of ultimately trying to navigate disruption or trying to d- disrupt yourself it's through this process of experimentation i believe that there is actually no playbook anymore when it comes to innovation or disruption i and, and this sounds crazy because I, I spent my entire career at you know, uh, uh, an amazing global consulting firm thinking that there was a playbook of how to do strategy and innovation, and it doesn't exist. Like the world is full of abundance, algorithms, and anomalies. And if you're looking for a playbook, it doesn't exist. You, the only thing that you could do is be nimble and flexible and experimental. And uh, like, I don't I don't see myself as a futurist. I, I can't predict what the future is going to be. Because it's it's impossible. The, the world is moving so quickly. But if you're just nimble and flexible, um, experimental, that is the DNA that you need to navigate in this entire space. And, you know, that's what we have, try to help organizations with.
1: Yeah, it must be quite the endeavor uh, uh, to do that. It's, it's not easy. And, you know, I, I think that there is still a big fear factor as it relates to automation, as it relates to embracing robotics as it relates to embracing artificial intelligence, for example. Talk to me about that. Talk to me about where where you see the growth of those areas as it relates to a lot of the companies that you're consulting for.
0: Well, listen, I mean, I going back to the, the comment about electricity, I think uh, data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics. I mean, this is going to be electricity for, for people. Um, it's an unstoppable trend. It is um, it's uh, you know, of course, a lot of people are uh, afraid of it, but it's going to just evolve everyone's jobs, right? Yes. It's going to replace, yes, it's going to make some jobs obsolete, but ultimately it's going to evolve. Listen, we, we don't think twice about the people that were like switchboard operators or like the elevator doormen, Like we don't think about them because they they went on and did something else. Right. Yeah. So I, I think in this age, it's, it's uh, how can we reskill, retrain uh, people? Uh, I think that's going to become a lot more important. But I think in this age of automation, I think as human beings, like we should be doubling down on becoming better problem solvers and being better creatives and being more imaginative and more innovative, um, working with diverse teams. Like I think that's going to become like the superhero skill set as we move into this age of automation. Um, Yeah, some jobs will be eliminated. And actually, it's going to be great it's going to be fantastic. If you're in a job that should be eliminated, then that's great. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. There's some things that humans shouldn't be doing, uh, and we should be doing more creative, uh, you know, type work. I I, I do want to say, though, I do want to say this. I know this is going to sound blasphemous, but I, I, I believe that we have totally oversold the artificial intelligence conversation today. Like, it's we, we, we think that we're, we're going to turn on the like a, a, a knob and like we're going to sprinkle some AI on something and magically things will appear. Like we're not even even close to, you know, being there yet. We can't even like properly like get on a, you know, like on a Zoom meeting, let alone like sprinkle AI onto something. I just think that the story has been oversold and we're just not there yet. Obviously, there's been some amazing innovations. I mean, look at the efficiency. The, 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 of things like TikTok and their algorithm and how beautiful it's been. And I know you have a Tesla um, and 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 you know how amazing that's been. But can can you just agree with me for a second that potentially the artificial intelligence story has been oversold? And I know this is sort of against a little bit of your portfolio, but listen, it, it's been oversold. Yeah, I,
1: I actually do agree with you. And you know, it's interesting because we get asked the question quite often about why haven't we created uh, an artificial intelligence ETF? And I say, well, it's because, first of all, all of the big firms out there are integrating artificial intelligence into their businesses. For example, I would argue Google is the has the most advanced artificial intelligence within any – that's funny. I said Google, and, of course, my phone turned on. Uh, <laughs> uh, it has the most advanced artificial intelligence elements within their business. So many companies are embracing it. I agree that it's a little overhyped. Um, I do think eventually it's going to become very important. Look, artificial, I mean, we have an automotive innovation ETF. Artificial intelligence is going to be critical for us to eventually have self driving cars. We need the ability for a self driving car to be able to tell the difference between a bag flying across the front windshield versus a baby carriage, right? That's going to require deep learning. That's going to require artificial intelligence uh, as well. But I'm with you, I'm on the same page, it is overhyped. And quite honestly, the other reason why we haven't launched one is there, there's not a big enough public domain of companies that are publicly listed uh, that are that purely involved in artificial intelligence. I and mean, you and I have spoken about this a couple of times in the past, one of the things that we are very focused on in the products that we bring to market are being pure play access to that theme, right? So yeah, Google uh, Google ha- owns Stadia, uh, which is their e-gaming division. Apple owns Arcade, which is their e-gaming division. The big tech complexes, Amazon owns Twitch, all involved in e-gaming. But they don't make it into our e-gaming ETF because those business lines are so small on a relative scale of the overall business. We want investors to get access to the pure play companies in those specific themes.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you do actually have a product around artificial intelligence and it's in your entire disruptive technology. Like every company, like you have a product around Fang. They're, they're all AI companies, right? All the esports gaming players are all embedding it in anyways. Like it's, it's, you, you, you already have it. Right. But to that point, you know, I know it's funny because when we chatted on the phone, this was before, this was before this, um, I think that was right before you'd launched the uh, your Ether, uh, uh, you know, product, which is, you know, which is really exciting. And obviously, uh, you know, just j- just being, you know, the first and I'm, you know, at the time that we chatted, like there was like this crazy bubble around Bitcoin and NFTs and and, uh, you know, I, 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 we all knew that we were in a bubble, like we all knew that there was a lot of hype. I feel like we're entering into the winter, which is great, and I think it's going to be a really positive thing. And I I listened to your interview with uh with Tyler Winklevoss, which was awesome. And I if you're this far, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. But um, like, where do you think we're at in terms of a blockchain hype cycle? Like, do you think we're in the winter now?
1: Yeah, I, I it, it's a great question, and you know we've been debating this. You never really know it's a winter until you pass through it, right? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, like you talk about crypto winter from a couple of years ago,
0: nobody was talking about it
1: while they were going through it. They were talking about it in retrospect, right? It's always 2020 uh, in hindsight. But crypto has definitely had a challenging uh, few months. Uh, you know, I think, I think there, I think that there needs to be some decoupling that takes place uh, within the entire crypto universe. You know, I think, for example, yeah, so yeah, so let me so I think Ether, for example, is very different than Bitcoin. Uh, And I think but you take a look at the price performance of both of them, and they're moving in tandem pretty much every day lately, like in the last couple of months, I think blockchain has so many other applicable uses beyond cryptocurrencies we've seen it right. We've seen companies like Walmart utilizing blockchain for inventory control and inventory management, being able to detect, you know, find that bad mango in their produce aisle and isolate the farm that it grew on and then just take away those 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 mangoes instead of taking away all of the other ones like there, there's so many other uses for different technologies bitcoin is the gold standard bitcoin is, is digital gold but bitcoin doesn't have the use case that something like ether has um so i think that you're gonna see I, I, right now they're all moving in tandem i think we're gonna get to a point where they start to diverge from each other or decouple as i said where they start to perform differently and that is when you know we're gonna have uh we're gonna be at a more mature stage of crypto uh, adoption
0: yeah, and I I agree with you. I think um, I'm excited. Like I I don't I don't want to give the bull case for th- Ethereum, but the 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 reality is is that you're having so many developers around the world build on top of it. And I I look at it as like mobile. You know, when mobile sort of really kicked off, I, I would say after the iPhone. You know, it was just like the the only apps that they had were like the weather and maps and like really rudimentary apps. And then you had an entire ecosystem building on top of it. And I feel the same thing is happening for ethereum and you know right now the app like what are the apps for blockchain right now like crypto DeFi, nfts social tokens like the game has just started like i i think in 10 years we're gonna be laughing like like those things right now are the maps and the weather like we can't even think about the the new innovations that are going to be built on top of it i'm just so bullish about it because i think finally um and you know we can talk about the creator economy i i just think that what Ethereum is going to be able to do is going to be it's going to allow people to finally monetize their craft no middlemen um, involved. I, it's such an exciting uh, time and I'm, 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 I'm thrilled that it's in the winter. I'm thrilled that the hype is, you know, I, I, I term it as like, it was like a club. Like a couple months ago, and everyone was having a good time. There was like bottles over here, and there was like people dancing over here, and like everyone is having a great time. Everyone was like losing their shirts and like losing money, like losing money. And now, you know, the winner has sort of come, but everyone's going to remember the technology, and you're also going to have all these developers build on top of it. So that's what I'm really excited about.
1: I I I, I totally agree with you. So I know we talked about the uh, the the electricity side of uh, disruptive innovation like cyber and cloud computing and I would say 5G fits into that category for sure uh, as well. What are some of the other areas of disruptive innovation that you find really fascinating and what do you and actually and and the second part is what do you see to be you know a couple of the biggest disruptive forces that are not necessarily uh, well recognized today but you feel like over the next five or ten years are going to be so important to us?
0: You know it's interesting. Uh, in the year 2000, uh, we were appalled that there were companies making billions of dollars, exploiting cheap labor overseas. Then in the 2010s, we were appalled that there were billions, uh, there were companies making billions of dollars, uh, making money like with very few employees. I think we're entering into an age, an era where you're going to have individuals that are making billions of dollars. Yeah, with very few employees like the means of production have uh, been reduced to almost zero the 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 the, the, there is you you don't need as much infrastructure media is abundant. Um, I think the the thing that I'm actually excited about when it comes to disruptive innovation is the cultural aspect, the ability for you to gain an an audience for the ability for you to build a community. I feel the next wave of disruptors will be those cultural disruptors, those that um, can actually build a, a community around them and build products and services on top of what they're doing. I think crypto and uh, the you know, uh, NFTs are going to be part of it, but that is actually going to be really exciting, And and as we enter into this new world of media and the metaverse, like… The the space is just starting, and um, that is actually what I'm excited about when it comes to disruptive innovation that most people don't think about. Because when people think about disruption, they always think about technology. But we're entering into this era where, like, you know, the the individual can be the disruptor themselves and become a billionaire. Like, a one-person, $1 billion business. It it, it sounds ridiculous, but that's what we're going into.
1: Yeah, yeah. uh, It is interesting. I I mean— from my perspective uh i think that uh something that's already caught on obviously is is the entire innovation uh being being driven no pun intended being driven by by the automobile uh it's just it's 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 a game changer you know i mean i think that the car is going through its biggest transformation of our forget about of our lifetime but again i mentioned at the beginning it's the biggest transformation since the horse and buggy between the electrification and the technology that's going into cars today I think the next 10 years in that industry alone are gonna be incredibly fascinating you know I I, I did make a prediction when we launched our cars uh, ETF back in 2017 uh, and my daughters would have been uh, nine at the time and I said I don't think my daughters are ever gonna need to drive a car uh, because by the time they get to 16 17 uh they we will have fully autonomous cars on the road i'm going to have to take that back because i don't think we're going to be there now now they're 13 and uh i don't think i don't think we're going to be there by the time they're 17 but it's coming and that technology is going to be so relevant uh for us i mean it's it's going to make our lives so much easier and safer from that the other um technology i don't know if you want to call it it's not technology but it is technology driven to a degree is I think people are not paying enough attention to biotech and genomics for example yeah uh, right now like genomics is going to be a game changer for our healthcare system there's no ifs ands or buts about it and you know I, I mean I always say on, on my webinars you don't have to look further than the covid vaccine right i mean uh, genomics was front and center in the development and is was one of the major reasons why we got a vaccine developed in 9 months instead of 12 years which is what it, Typically takes, but now I think we're going to see genomics start to take on a bigger and bigger role with uh, with diabetes, heart disease, uh, and uh, and cancer as well.
0: And 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 you know, artificial intelligence is going to play a big part in that, and, and also in the in the autonomous, co- uh, you know, electric uh, shared connected vehicle. the The only thing is that we need the infrastructure around it, right? You need you need like you know you need the charging stations. You need, the, you need other cars connected. You need, uh, you, you know, there's so many pieces that need to get come into play in order for that to happen. What I'm actually most excited about is the unknown, is the fact that, you know, the you, you talked about, you know, this being the biggest sort of moment for, for vehicles. I agree, like, since horse and buggy, like, this is the next moment. But when the vehicle was introduced, it created new industries. Like, it literally created the accommodation, hoteling industry. You know the fact that now people can move and and get you know go around their 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 country. Well, you need you know places where people can stay. Uh, you need restaurants where people can eat. Um, I think it it helped expand different industries. And what I'm excited about when when it comes to you know the autonomous electric shared connected revolution is that there are industries that we have not thought about before that are going to be created. Similar to like what I said about blockchain, like that's what I'm like thinking about. Like what is the autonomous car going to be have uh, industries within it like gaming and and meditation and like i i'm just like that's why it's so exciting to be in this space because the future is is uncertain and it's unpredictable and it's it's infinite what
1: uh what what advice would you give kids today that that are let's say my kids age 13 that in 10 years from now i hope in 10 years maybe sooner that they enter the real world the real work world uh, what advice would you give them today because it's going to be a different world in the next 10 15 20 years and the the the, the important skill sets uh, that that kids need uh, t- uh, 10 years from now are going to be very different than the skill sets that i needed when uh, i entered the workforce unfortunately many years ago
0: you know what i i mean this is a question that i grapple with all the time because i you know my kids are a little bit younger than yours my my kids are 4 and and and, and 2 and uh, this is what my wife and I are thinking about all the time, like what's gonna be relevant, what jobs will be relevant for them in the future? I, I think ultimately you can't predict what jobs will be relevant in the future. You can't predict which industries will be relevant in the future. I just talked about like the things that you're investing in uh, or your products are around electricity. Like, do you need to be an electrician? Nah, do you need to be an artificial intelligence data scientist? Well, maybe the, maybe the code will sort of code itself. Um, so I think ultimately, the the skill set for the future has to be around creativity, imagination, empathy, emotional intelligence, like being able to communicate with somebody, being able to go at a dinner and hold a a conversation for two hours. Uh, I think these are skills that are the most important in the future as we move into uh, the electrification. And I'm saying cyber and AI and all blockchain, like, we don't have to think about that stuff. That's, that stuff will be on. Yes, there'll be people that will make really great money being cyber professionals. And yes, there's a big gap there. And there's a big gap when it comes to AI. But that's what I think. That's what I want my kids to do is like try a whole bunch of different things. You know, and I, you know, I'm sure the same thing with, you know, with your children as well.
1: Yeah, it's I, you. I think you completely nailed it. Uh, you're I'm, I'm on, I'm on the exact same page as you. I, I teach Uh, Our kids that, you know, your interpersonal skills are going to be a very rare skill set 10, 15 years from now. I would argue that that they already are and probably have become uh, worse during the pandemic. You know, we just hired a summer uh, intern who's my next-door neighbor at the cottage. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I love this kid. And I love this kid because When we used to invite his family over all the time for like dinner and drinks outside and things like that, this kid would have been like, I've known him now for, I don't know, six years. So he's now 17. So I've known him since he was 12. And every time that they would come, he would sit at the table outside with us, not on his phone, just listening to the conversation. Like the way I grew up listening to my parents talking with people's and ants and friends and stuff like that and it's like such a simple thing um to listen and contribute as much as you can into a a conversation but most kids that you see today what do they do they come to over to people's house yeah exactly or their ipad the entire the entire time we we i remember early days like five six years ago we went to birthday parties with the kids and these kids would all be Pulling out their their iPads, and they wouldn't even. They're all sitting on the couch together, and they're all on their iPads separately. And I thought, wow, there th- th- there's a real problem here uh, from a from a socialization uh, perspective. So I totally so agree. With I t- want to
0: ask you this: yeah. sure. Is this a huge paradox? Then we're both talking about disruption. We're talking about disruptive technologies. Literally, you have products with Facebook and Netflix and Google and you know all yeah. these things on it. And here we're trying to tell our kids, don't get, like, do not get obsessed with this stuff. Yet we know that, like, is, are we, are we evil in this sense? Like, (laughs) I I don't know what, it's like, it's like the engineers at Apple that said don't, like they would never get their kids an iPad. Or, you know, the people at Facebook say, don't share anything that you have on Facebook.
1: Steve Jobs never let his kids plug in. Uh, I don't believe Bill Gates did. Either. I mean, you know, two of the biggest technology icons uh, in history uh, didn't put it in front of their kids. But even, but you know, look, I'll say even just with technology, doesn't mean that you can create uh, without technology, doesn't mean that you're creating good interpersonal kids because there's a lot of people my age and your age who didn't grow up with iPads and iPhones and a ton of technology and they still have terrible social skills um as well right i mean part sometimes part of the reason is that they buried their head in textbook or textbooks their entire life you know i i i I apologize in advance to all of my doctor friends but you know most doctors don't have the best interpersonal skills right i would say 90 percent of them because they're so buried in textbooks their entire life that they never really learned how to develop a personality where they can interact with people in a non-clinical way. We're going to clip this
0: and just send it to all the
1: doctors, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I hope none of my neighbors see this. And and so, and so to me, I think it's, it's not just technology that's created, but I do think, you know, technology has definitely uh, furthered uh, that isolation or that challenge. But I do think that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, those interpersonal skills, that emotional intelligence, the entire EQ is going to be more important because a lot of the technical work will be done for us by artificial intelligence computers, things like that. And so what it's gonna require is the ability to have those conversations at the dinner table that are interactive and interesting.
0: So let me ask you this, will you have a Metaverse ETF? And you're kind of already in the Metaverse ETF with your esports and sort of gaming product, but you know, If I look at the kids today, they're obsessed with Roblox and Fortnite, and they literally value digital goods over, uh, you know, tangible goods. You know, my niece, for example, you know, I say, you know, what do you you – here's your birthday money. What do you want to spend your money on? She's like, I want to spend it on a Fortnite skin.
1: I I, I,
0: I actually think that it's not crazy to think that people value digital things more than sort of real-life things, and that's why we love – you know, if we got a – Instagram blue check mark or you know th- those things sort of matter to us and I-, I feel more and more as we live through our phones uh, th- this is the gateway drug into the metaverse um, and I think you know like Fortnites and the Roblox obviously you, you know you- you're 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 bullish on those things too but you know like t- t- are- will you have a metaverse ETF?
1: Uh, it's possible. It's not something that's on my radar right now. And for for, for the listeners that are, are not uh, fully aware of what metaverse means, um, you know, as it relates to e gaming, metaverse is effectively the marriage between uh, e gaming and social media. So it provides these new worlds or these new platforms. And Sean mentioned, you know, uh, you've got Roblox, you've got Minecraft, you've got Fortnite, where you are where you're in a world and you're with people and you develop friendships and many of those friendships become long-lasting and that's like a great example of the crossing over of two major industries between e-gaming and, and social media and you're seeing that more and uh, more and more and I don't I got to be honest with you Sean I don't know if it's a good thing or not yet uh, because I've had I've, I've heard both sides of that argument right I mean. On the positive side, I've seen through this pandemic a lot of people actually make new, real friends, yeah. locally and internationally, um, that they they feel are going to be long lasting uh, relationships. It also it also limited the amount of isolation that a lot of people had during the pandemic. So I think it it's very good. The flip side of it is, as somebody that you know before COVID. Wasn't spending much time in front of his screen. Uh, was spending more time at tables, uh, having lunches and dinners and drinks with 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 clients and other people. Uh, I really really miss it. Uh, and 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 those kids don't. I'll tell you a, a really quick story. A few friends came over uh, for the first time uh, a couple of weeks ago. They brought their kids, very similar age to mine, and the kids came in. And they were all on their phones and uh we live we live near a big park uh in toronto and uh they're all on their phones and my kids were trying to get them to you know put the phones down and have some fun they went to they went to we live at high park they went to high park they went for a long walk they went to the zoo uh there's a zoo in the park and everything else they came back parents all sent me messages afterwards saying our kids had the best time that they've had in over a year but, it, but because it forced them to get out of that old yeah. habit of social media and, and their gaming on their phone. So I don't know if it's a good thing. You know, my daughter's don't game. Uh, and, yeah. and it's not because we've told them they're not allowed to. It's just that it never really resonated uh, with them. And I think that that's great because I think it's been great for their overall personality uh, development. As well, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but at the end of the day, And then you've got the whole predator issue, right? Which is another whole issue as it relates to the metaverse, and and uh, and I I know many people have had to deal with uh, with issues around that too. So I I don't know if it's a good thing or not for me. No, um, but I can see why other people uh, it's been very helpful for through this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I I think there's going to be. Uh, new industries created in the metaverse like you're already seeing companies sort of like the Gucci's uh you know build partnerships with roblox and being able to sell like more expensive sort of gucci bags on roblox than they do it sort of in person so there's gonna be in different sort of industries companies that take advantage of this space but i agree with you fundamentally as it you know as it relates to human beings like we're designed unless the internet is rewiring our brains we're designed to be you know intimate share a meal share some bread you know that's that's what humans are all about
1: so listen sean we ran a lot longer than we were supposed to but that's okay it was a very interesting conversation how do people find out more about you the the talks yeah. that you know you've got a big uh presence online and i know that uh i think i was reading an article that forbes named you the greatest was it the greatest no no no, no it, 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 was, it, was, it was one guy
0: it was one guy says best virtual uh, <laughs> keynote speaker anyways yeah. uh, i think uh, you can find me anywhere at Sean Canungo. I'm, I'm pretty open to to uh, you. Don't have to follow. You can you can send me a note. You can follow me on LinkedIn and YouTube and uh, wherever else. But uh, no, I I, I just want to thank you so much for this time. This was a this was a lot of fun. I love what you're doing. Like I said, I think the themes that you've picked are like you you've basically bet on electricity, which is unstoppable. Uh, you are a, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, I enjoy the podcast. So yeah, it was just uh, it was a pleasure being on.
1: Likewise, Sean, you're doing a great job. And you know what? You're an example of somebody that I have uh, befriended through this pandemic, never met face to face. And I feel like we know each other really well. So that's something positive. And and someday soon, I'm sure we'll get to, uh, to grab a coffee or have a beer together. Look forward to it. Can't wait. Thanks. See you later.
0: You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at evolveetfs.com.